And now our, our today's guests. On May 28th, the Toronto 2015 Pan Am Games Bid Committee presented its bid book to Mario Vasquez Rana, president of the Pan Am, Pan Am Sports Organization, or PASO for short. And with that much information, I think, it's, I think all of us here today have just have one question in mind, and that is, is Toronto finally going to get her turn? We are very pleased to have with us some proud Canadians who maybe, who maybe answer some of those questions, or at least give us the best indications of our chances. Since the first inklings that Toronto might want to throw its hat into the ring to host the games, the board of directors and team behind this bid has been relentless, arranging possible locations, incentives and logistics, lining up the media, stoking interests in the games, signing up volunteers, organizing transportation, training and lodging doing everything it could to make the best possible case for bringing the games to Toronto in 2015. Now, our proposal has been signed, sealed, and delivered. The tours of the GTA region and our facilities by PESO and dignitaries has wrapped up to glowing compliments, I might add. All that's left to do is to wait until the 42 member nations vote at the PASO General Assembly in Mexico on November the 3rd. If things go as we hope, these next two weeks may be the last period of calm and relative peace that our guests today will have for the next six or seven years. Three key members, three key members of the Toronto 2015 bid team are here today to tell us about the plan for their games, what this event could mean to 10,000 athletes and 42 participating countries, to our own young athletes and to Canada as a whole, and most particularly to Toronto, a world-class city with the know-how, the facilities, and the most welcoming people in the world to host an event of this magnitude. Now, I'd like to ask if the panel could come up to the front and take your seats, beginning by Marty McBean, Honorable David Peterson, Chris Rudge, Alexandra Orlando. Please welcome your guests to the head. And I'll ask Marty to take over. Over to you, Marty. I like when I get to take over. <laughs> Bit of a control freak. <clears throat> Thank you, John. Um, and now it's a pleasure to be here. And now uh, it's, it's not a proper sport and bid event without a video. So uh, if you'll just have a look at the screens, we're going to show you a, a quick video about the bid.
I always love the, the sport montages. It kind of gets, it's always color and passion. And, and uh, we're fortunate today to have almost 40 different athletes, uh, peers and friends of mine um, from Canadian and Ontario sport around the room. We have uh, athletes, uh, current and former athletes from summer sports, from swimming, gymnastics, sailing, boxing, athletics, of course, rowing, many other sports. Uh, we have winter sport athletes here from curling and figure skating. Uh, we have two athletes who competed at the last Beijing Games, Karen Coburn and uh, Alexandra Orlando. Uh, both of those athletes um, have had the privilege of carrying the flag at the closing ceremonies, Alexandra for the Pan Am Games in Rio, and Karen was selected to be the, the representative of the team in Beijing, um, carrying the flag at the closing ceremonies. And also I've seen uh, Bill Crothers and Richard uh, Kinn around, who both competed in the 1964 Olympics, which, um, sorry boys, I wasn't born then, but uh, <laughs> thanks for still being here. And, and, uh, and believing in the passion and, and giving back to sport. Um, so if I could have all the athletes uh, in the room, please stand and just have yourself recognized for continuing to And, you know, if the conversation up here gets pretty dry, just start asking them about their sports, and you'll understand what the importance of the bid uh, really is. Um, at this time, uh, I think, for me, I, when I think about sport and the, the Toronto 2015 bid, I have a tough time selling to my friends or even to, my, uh, to myself the importance of a bid just for athletes like myself to follow our dreams. But I think of the sport community as like a congregation. And we come together and we become stronger. We learn with each other. We grow with each other. We get uh, fit and healthy. And we become a community. And to me, that's the importance of bids. Um, and that's why it's so, I believe it's, it's vitally important for Toronto to uh, be hosting the 2015 game. So um, at any point in time, I've been just so thrilled to uh, throw my voice and my passion behind this bid. And now we get to hear from uh, a few different people about uh, their voice and their passion for this bid. And as John mentioned, we have uh, premier of, uh, former Premier of Ontario, Chair of Castlesbrock, Chancellors of U of T, and the Chair of the Toronto 15 bid. Uh, the on I, I don't know how you get honourable all the time now, but you're either honourable... It's not true. You rent the title. <laughs> on the Honourable David Peterson. Uh, my boss, actually, uh, Chris Rudge, uh, the Secretary General and CEO of the Canadian Olympic Committee. He's also a member of the board of, of Vanock, and I always think uh, Vanock is like a big events company, and the COC were the show. So he's got his uh, hands in both pies right now. 
He's also a former athlete and national lacrosse coach, uh, Chris Rudge. And finally, um, the attractive one up here, Alexandra Orlando. <laughs> Chris, Chris might be giving us a run for hair, but uh, Alexandra certainly. Alexandra Orlando is a, a five-time consecutive national champion in rhythmic gymnastics. She was the 2006 Commonwealth Games international outstanding uh, female elite athlete after winning six gold medals at the 2006 Commonwealth Games. And as I mentioned, she was the, the flag bearer for the, the Pan Am Games, uh, where she also won three golds in Rio de Janeiro in 2007. So... So, uh, Alexandra, you actually have more golds than me, so there you go. <laughs> uh, so today um, I'm going to lead a discussion uh, with our panelists uh, about the Toronto bid and what a successful Pan Am bid can mean to Toronto, uh, what it means to our community, what it means to high-performance athletes. Um, and we'll get into the nuts and bolts of the costs that are involved, um, and we'll see in terms of uh, new facilities and rebuilt facilities, uh, what we're going to be getting back, um, because as with most things, uh, what you, you give into, um, into a games event like this, even emotionally, you can get so much more back. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this discussion. Uh, we will have questions. As John mentioned, we'll have questions. There are microphones around the room, so um, I, I love having the, the control here, but eventually I will let you ask some questions. Uh, make sure you get to the microphones and, and please be brief because David always has long answers. <laughs> Sorry, it's so much you fun. Keep going, you're doing well. <laughs> I, always, I always think we have a lot in common because as a rower um, and as politicians, we just spend our whole careers on our ass going backwards. So. <laughs> I have to be careful, he goes up next. <laughs> Just keep talking. I'm going I'm to start down that end because uh, I've already sort of kicked the hornet's nest down here. Chris, if, yes. if I can start down there. Uh, Go ahead. So, so bids aren't cheap. It's, it's a, a big involvement. Why are bids for international sporting events like this important to the Canadian Olympic Committee, to high-performance athletes, and to sport in general? Where where's the value come? Well, let me first start by saying nobody is Marnie's boss. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I would like to publicly um, thank you for the work that you do as a mentor to young athletes now. Everybody knows about your tremendous uh, performance as an athlete. But Marnie's involved in a very special program we have now to help our best athletes perform under the intense pressure of Olympic Games. And her impact on all athletes, whether it be teams or others, has been profound. And you'll see a manifestation of that at these Games in 2010. It's not just the summer athletes, so thank you for the work that you're doing. These games are very important to the development of sport in this country, particularly summer mm. sport. And I would even go out on a limb so far as to say that the impact on sport of these games will be as profound as the winter games will be in Vancouver. Although Pan Am games aren't of the same stature as Olympic games, the fact is within 200 kilometers of where we're sitting now reside 35% of the Canadian population. Our summer sports have not been historically well-funded, and Ontario uniquely has a paucity of facilities. To give you one small example, we have in the city of Toronto two 50-meter swimming pools. 
The city of Sydney, Australia has 45. And people are saying, well, why aren't we developing swimmers? We can have programs, we can have great ideas, but if we don't have the facilities for those athletes to train in, we're never going to develop great athletes. We have no velodrome. Kurt Harnett, who was introduced here tonight, probably the greatest track cyclist in the history of this country, started his development in Trinidad and trained in California. He was an aberration in terms of being able to develop a program here. We will have, as a residual benefit of these games, a velodrome. It won't be a white elephant. It'll be well used. It's going to be utilitarian in its approach, but we will develop a track training program and on and on. So these games are going to be profoundly important for those reasons. But it's not just about developing elite athletes. They're at the top of the pyramid. From our perspective in the COC, a phrase we use is the broader the base of the pyramid, the higher the peak. Bringing games like this is going to create a tremendous amount of attention for sport. It's going to help more of our athletes do well. It's going to help develop training programs within this province and it's going to be a tremendous uplift for sport. And I know David's probably going to talk about some of the economic aspects of this and I was a businessman long before I ever got involved in sport at this level. If I didn't profoundly believe that this investment wasn't going to have a net benefit to the community, I wouldn't be promoting it just for sport. It goes far beyond what the athletes will get out of this, but it will be a tremendous, I think, asset for this, which is certainly from a multicultural uh, perspective and many others, one of the finest cities in the world. Chris, I was saying earlier you have your hands in both pots, both the Van, Van Ock and the COC. And when we read about the games right now, unfortunately, in the press, there seems to be always it's, uh, the, the media loves to hit a lot of the, the negatives going on. With your experience with the Vancouver uh, Organizing Committee and being so close involved there, what, what are some of the realities of the positives and the negatives that we can expect in Toronto uh, hosting a Games? Well, I, I'd say, Marnie, in many ways, the, if you combine what uh, Van Ock has done in the Organizing Committee in Vancouver and even go back to 1988 and the very positive benefits that came out of Calgary, uh, there's a lot that could be learned there. One, one of the things that's going to come out of there... Neither of those games, and particularly in Vancouver and Calgary, no white elephants were produced. All of the facilities are going to have a use. Uh, they're going to be built in a way that there will be an ongoing contribution to the community. And so there won't be this perception that they were there merely for two or three weeks of fun. The games from a business perspective in Vancouver have been run very, very well. Uh, the capital budget was basically on budget, on time. I know there was the perception that we went back to the government for an extra $110 million, but that was known going in because the bid had to be put in in 2002 dollars. There's inflation going forward, and both the federal and provincial government knew that was going to be in there. We came in tremendously on budget. The facilities were finished two years ahead of time. No time in the history of an Olympic Games has this ever happened. Teams from around the world have had a chance to hold practice events and, and train in these facilities. It's been tremendous. The operating uh, plan is basically on budget. Even through this tremendous downturn that we've had, there was a small gap for some very explainable reasons, but that's been filled. But I think if you look beyond that at the sort of... Um, uh, the other facilities or the other uh, benefits to the community that have come along. Uh, Vancouver now has a tremendous rapid transit line from the airport to downtown. That had been planned for many years, but its uh, construction was accelerated by the fact that the games are there. They provided the catalyst. I wrote it a couple of weeks ago, stayed in the hotel at the airport, was at a meeting downtown in 16 minutes. How long have we dreamed about something like that in this community? 
The highway up to Whistler has been fixed. Uh, the growing communities of Squamish and others up there now have a tremendous uh, route to, uh, to help uh, move people up and down. The, the net economic benefit is going to be huge. There's a tremendous new convention center in the city that is going to be, if you amortize that cost over 20 or 30 years, the net economic payback to the community is going to be huge. So Vancouver is going to be tremendously advantaged by having the games. It's been a very well-run project. We have people there studying what they've done now, so there's a transfer of knowledge process that will come back to us when we build these games, and we're going to uh, learn from them everything that we can to make sure that we build the best possible games here. Thank you. David, I'll come to you. Uh, why? I'll start off with a question. Why? Like, your, your background's not sport. It was uh, business, law politics and what what brings you into you were involved with the, the Toronto 2008 you're involved with bringing the Raptors to Toronto what do you see what what compels you to get involved with these bids first of all the best training to be in international sports is politics trust me <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm doing this because the premier asked me to do it and um, then, okay, then, but let me take you beyond that, um, Marnie. This is, there's a whole bunch of obvious benefits, infrastructure. It's about the athletes. It's about people like Alexandra, who, who I've gotten to know very well, has been a very important part of our bid. And, and really, she sort of personifies as well these wonderful young people in the room <laughs> and some older people that are athletes as well, why we're doing this. But that's just a very narrow view. We want high-performance athletes, but we want much, much, much more than that. We want, and here's the vision, every little kid in this province playing in a Pan-American kind of sponsored tournament, whether it's soccer or baseball or gymnastics or sword fighting or boxing or whatever girls do these days, we want everybody participating in the two years leading up to this. We want to engage them all. We want to engage beyond the kids that maybe don't play sports or, and, and, and other institutions, all of our cultural institutions. We want to co-brand with the ROM, with the AGO, with the, uh, with the opera, to do a Western Hemispheric uh, uh, emphasis on the programs leading up in the year or two before. We will take advantage of the universities. We'll be working with universities in South America they're talking about security issues, sports issues, climate change issues. You can see, you can use sport to inspire young people. You can use sport to bring people together. You can use sport to celebrate our common humanity. You can look at, Chris said that the Pan Ams don't have the same prestige as the Olympics, and they do not. But this prize is worth what we make it. And what I'm just going to tell you is we can make this into the most exciting party celebration we have ever had in this city. And it depends on the leadership, but it also depends on the kind of support it brings along. It can involve every kid, every person. And I honestly believe, Marnie, even though it's about high-performance athletes, and I never forget that, and it's about the legacy, and it's about the buildings we'll build, and the economic development, all of which, as Chris said, can be justified. It's about something higher. It's about celebrating our common humanity and our highest ideals and aspirations. That's what attracts me to this.
So you see this reaching out to the average Trontonian, like everyone in the GTA, it's... it's Everybody, just think of this. 42 countries in Paso, every single one of them have a, fam, a, a, a group here, and whether it's the Paraguayans or Ecuadorians. My dear friend Joe Halstead, with whom I've traveled the world in the last little while, says there's no athlete that will come to this city that will not have a friend or a relative. And you can see it. Everybody, it's a way to engage our ethnocultural communities. We are the most advanced multicultural nation in the world. And isn't it wonderful to have a guy with a Canadian flag in one hand and an Ecuadorian flag in the other, uh, in the other hand, or a, or a Jamaican flag or a flag from St. Nevis or the Dutch Antilles, who cares? My point is we can have them all here, all participating. And so you can open up markets for civic engagements through all of this, through sports. So I see unlimited potential in our capacity to elevate our common spirit. And let me just say, Marnie, Toronto needs to win. And, you know, there's been a... Look, we've lost two Olympic bids, we've lost two Commonwealth bids, and we've lost a World Fair bid. Damn well time we won. And we can turn this into something really exciting. So, Alexandra, really, it's, it's about the athletes. It's about people like you. And what do you think of Toronto right now? What do you think of Toronto and the facilities? Would, would you be proud right now to invite your, your competitors here? Um, to be perfectly honest, no. Um, we don't measure up at all, and it's completely unacceptable for a province like Ontario to have such a severe facility deficit. Um, as we do, for me personally... Um, I haven't trained in Canada for the past two, three years. My whole Olympic preparation was outside of this country. And we are not promoting an environment for athletes, a nurturing environment for them to stay here and to develop and to compete for their, their country. And personally, we can't, we, we just can't function like this. As a, as a country that love sport in the way that we do. We can't treat our athletes like this. And our high-performance athletes, we, we don't have multi-million dollar endorsements. We, we, we don't have that support, but we do it. We compete for this country because we absolutely love it. And we love our sport, and we're proud to represent you. But we need your support, and we need those facilities. We can't, we can't be competitive on the international stage unless we train and we compete like the best. And, and that's just a simple fact. And these facilities that the bid would bring to this province would be immeasurable to our athletes. Absolutely. So in talking about, like, you've, you've spent a tremendous amount of time with this bid, and you probably know it, you know, as, as thoroughly as, as anybody, which is always a unique perspective for an athlete to see how much work goes into a bid. So from that perspective, what do you think of the vision when, you know, you've, you've seen what the architects and what the planners have brought to you with what Toronto could be, um, how do you see that that would benefit the athletes and the communities around, uh, around the GTA? It was definitely um, an eye-opening experience for me to be a part of this bid, something very different from being just a competitive athlete, um, kind of have blinders on when you're training, you're competing and thinking solely of yourself, and you don't see all the work that goes into something like this. And it's incredible. It's incredible the, the plans 
for our province, the new stadium in Hamilton, four Olympic-sized pools, would just be so, it's so instrumental in the development from the grassroots programs to high performance. And again, it affects, as Chris said, and as David said, it affects everyone. It affects every single person in this province and communities and inspiring our youth to get involved in sport. There's a high performance sport institute that would be created, which we don't have. This would be the largest investment in sporting infrastructure that this province has ever seen. And again, it, it affects all of you. It doesn't just affect athletes. It, it would just have a ripple effect, and it would leave a lasting legacy for us. Um, the velodrome that Chris mentioned, it's unprecedented for us to have that here. Um, and that's just the beginning. And it would just inspire this province. It would inspire our communities to get behind our athletes, to get behind the power of sport, because it is so powerful, and it can do so much. And it's not just winning medals, and it's not just getting on top of the podium, which is very nice. <laughs> But it's not about that. Sport is about so much more. It's about education, health, crime prevention. It would bring this province together, bring our country together. And as David said, Toronto needs this. Toronto needs this. I agree. So, um, yeah. And I, I think people should know it. it is unusual for athletes to get so involved and... and um, Unfortunately, when you get to the top of the food chain in sport, you tend to be thinking just about the, the practice of that sport, and you miss all the people and all the effort that goes around. So I, I think the entire athlete community should be thanking you, Alexandra, for putting in your time this and, and taking the time. Um, I don't mean to sound patronizing, but taking the time to learn about it and to, to really know it because it's, uh, the entire athlete community needs that. Can I just chip in here? Um, mm, yeah. Alexandra's been very much part of the bid since the beginning when we started in Acapulco, and she will be a key part, piece of the presentation in Guadalajara, and um, she will be, she'll be speaking in Spanish. You just watch her. And, uh, and she's been very, very important in driving this bid. This bid is about athletes at the end of the day. We've got to be enormously sensitive to them and to compatriots all across pan-american uh, world so i just want to tell you if we lose it's her fault <laughs> I'm, it's okay I, i'm used to dealing with pressure okay. <laughs> i'm an athlete i'm an athlete we do it every day <laughs> and, and i'm glad to see you're used to winning too, so. <laughs> so but david it, it's back to you because there's this passion there's this idea of how everything's great but there's a lot of critics out there who who will still say that it's a, a big waste of money uh, and that money that that, that money should be uh, and could be better spent on social housing and programs. How do you respond to that? Well, the quick answer is this is the only way to get social housing built in this city. Um, we are building a new village, which is really the centerpiece. I should tell you this, by the way. Probably the single most important thing in bidding on these things is getting the village right. The village experience is considered absolutely key, and it's bedeviled. Most other, you know, the problems in Vancouver really have only been around the village, not around other stuff. There's problems in Guadalajara, there's problems in New Delhi. Every city has troubles with these. We have a fabulous piece of property the province already owns. It, it's, it's, construction's already started. We're, we will build 8,500 units in the West Donland that will go to market-based and subsidized and community housing. So the housing will be built in a fabulous new village that all the local community supports. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, 
the, what, the, what the Pan Ams or Olympics provide is a date certain by which a lot of things have to be done that governments want to do anyway, but they kind of procrastinate on. But the second thing I should just, so that's a very key point. The other key point, and Alexander mentioned this, was this uh, high performance center in conjunction with the University of Toronto, the city, and the, and, and the Olympic Committee uh, as a training center for the best athletes that this country has. And this will be an international center, and I hope will live up to the expectations because she's the kind of person pushing for this. And I think we've got, I think we kind of got it right. At least the plans are right. And then a new stadium in Hamilton as well. Look, the money, it's uh, $1.4 billion. Uh, we expect there will be a couple billion dollars worth of economic activity. The village is a billion. That will pay for itself. It, we're only using it for three weeks. You can have it back after that. Um, <laughs> there, uh, the games will cost $600 million operating terms to run. Um, we expect that will all generate, it, generate itself back in a very short space of time. So in a, in a way, there's self-funding. And the other reality is it's a very small percentage of the provincial budget. These come out of existing budgets now. But you'll stimulate probably $2 billion in economic activity for hotel renovation. There's $9.8 billion in transportation going on all around this stuff. Now, this didn't drive that budget, but you can see how it all comes together as a planning device, it all comes together as a way to build social cohesion. So there's a lot of, with the right leadership, Marnie, I think, I think you can say the net benefits are phenomenal. Now, there's always one or two negative people, but really, I think 99.9999% of the people get it and are very enthusiastic. Marnie, if I could just uh, speak to that one as well. People often will look at the $1.4 billion that David mentioned and, and say, well, should that be in social housing or perhaps more education or other socially meritorious causes, medicine, there are many that we could spend on. It's not necessarily one or the other. It's not as though we're taking it out of one pocket and putting it in another. You have to look at the net economic benefit collectively and how the costs are amortized over a number of periods of years and what flows back into this community that will create even more cash to feed those other very important causes. And remember that $1.4 billion that we're spending we're not building a bonfire in the middle of the street and burning the dollars. They're being recirculated in this community. They're hiring people. They're buying products and services and on and on. That money is, is, is in a churn. We've all gone through the most traumatic uh, economic downturn that any of us will ever go through in our lives. And it, there isn't anybody in this room that it didn't touch to some degree. But to a large degree, that was driven by the fact that money dried up when the financial institutions got into trouble and people panicked and it caused businesses to shut down and services to be cut off and everybody's been hurt. You have to keep that money churning within our community. This money that's being spent is being spent here to help people here and the net benefit at the end of the day will help all of those other causes just as much as it will further the interests of sport. Can I make a point, Marion? Because You're not going to ask me this, but I want to make the point. This bid has been a model of intergovernmental cooperation. I just want to take off my hat to guys like John Baird, Gary Lund, Jim Flaherty. These guys helped us solve the, 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 the visa issues, and they were tough. they thrown in half a billion dollars. The guarantee, provincial guarantee, it wouldn't have happened. This was Dalton McGinty's dream, but he, everybody has come together around this. They're, do, they're doing the guarantee, so at the end of the day, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, if there's problems, it comes to the provinces. 
David Miller is totally behind this, as are 14 municipalities. And it's worked unbelievably well. And so it's another thing that, you know, you look at this country and all we read about is everybody fighting and yapping. I'm used to be in the business. But let me tell you, it's a wonderful thing to work with these people with common goals. So it goes to your point, how sport, the power of sport in bringing people together for a higher cause. I have seen this around the world, and I t there's more people engaged in sports probably than anything else around the world. Every dad in every little community or every little mom are taking their kids to a swimming lesson or a rowing or running around or running in a race. When you harness that, it brings out the best in people. Absolutely. So uh, 1.4, 1.4 billion gets tossed out. We're all like, oh, I'll sign, I'm good. But a lot of critics will say that uh, bids tend to go wildly over budget. How do you, um, and how does the bid plan to make sure that things stay in check and go according to plan? We have a bid budget of $10 million to win this thing. I expect, I, I'm hoping we'll win. I, 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 we are working so hard you won't believe it. We have a fabulous team who have really, really put their shoulder to this. And a, a big team, capable team. We have the best bid, I tell you, without f reservation. But I know enough about politics to tell you the best guy doesn't always win. I've <laughs> so we have to fight this to the last. You can lose the race in the last second, and we are pushing this hard for the next three weeks through. So I, I'm, um, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty positive about this. I, and I, I the critics are, are really. Um, there really hasn't, this hasn't been like the last Olympic bid. I think people are behind this, Maureen. It was so nice of you to mention John Tory there. Well, <laughs> John Tory. Well, speaking of this, speaking of John Tory, who is a very fine young man, and I want you to know that. And John Tory is behind this bid. Do you want to give a testimony to John? Stand up. No. Stand up. But it's interesting. Every political party... Everybody involved in the business is with it, so, and, and we're thrilled to have the kind of support that they're all bringing, including John, who's been very close to this and very helpful. Um, Chris, so when uh, Toronto uh, didn't win the, the 2008 games, I took all my clothes and I just, in my dreams, I made it 2028. So is, is really this 2015 Pan Ams just the precursor, especially now that Chicago lost? Um, is, is this a precursor to uh, another Olympic bid? Well, I think it could be. Certainly when the Canadian Olympic Committee looked at endorsing this bid, there were two or three things we wanted to see come out of it. Uh, the, the Sport Institute that's going to be built is profoundly important in terms of providing a, a training centre for the athletes around here and then a, a training centre that's consistent with other programs across the country to allow for the mobility of athletes. We did want to see a legacy facilities such as pools and the velodrome, etc., but one of the, uh, the principles that we endorsed is that we wanted to see this, this uh, bid and subsequently these games built in such a way that they laid the foundation for a potential Olympic bid down the road. Whether that's uh, 24 or 28 is a moot point. It could be that early. Uh, but I think that what it will do is demonstrate that this community has the capacity to put on a big show, uh, that it will build some facilities that themselves could be part of the... Uh, the Olympic program down the road, just as the facilities in Rio de Janeiro that were in the 2007 Pan American Games, I think contributed significantly to the win that uh, Rio de Janeiro experienced last week in Copenhagen. But also I think that it will establish within this community 
a legacy of volunteerism for projects this large. If you were to walk into Edmonton or, or uh, Winnipeg or Calgary, those prairie cities in particular, and say, we're going to put on an event. You know, 100,000 people lined up to volunteer the next day. Well, I was involved in this and I was involved in that, etc. We haven't run a large multi-sport activity like this in this province since the Commonwealth Games in Hamilton in the 1930s. So that, that's one of the tremendous legacies that will come out, is that it will engage the broader community so much. We'll demonstrate that the capacity of this community exists to put on a big show, and I think it will demonstrate to the world those things that we all inherently understand. And then and David touched on that, that we have a cultural community here that is real, that is unlike any city in the world. And I've done business all around the world for many years, and there is no city that compares to this from that multicultural perspective. We, we will, the Pan Ams will have twice as many athletes as the Winter Olympics. Just give you a little idea of the scale, scale. here. Absolutely. So uh, we're kind of running out of time, which doesn't surprise me that we're all a little verbose up here. I'm going to throw uh, one quick well, question. Speak for yourself, Madam Chairperson. <laughs> <laughs> I'll throw a, a quick question to Alexandra, and then we'll take two uh, quick questions from the audience. But. So, Alexandra, maybe, you know, we're talking about how Rio uh, had the Pan Am Games in 2007. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about what it felt like actually competing um, outside of your country, but what you could dream of for competing inside your country, too. Um, there's definitely nothing like the Pan Am Games. Uh, it's, it's truly an incredible experience for every athlete that has a chance to, to be a part of it and represent their country. For me in particular, um, Rio is a very crucial point in my career it it was one of my it was one of the last times that I I was at a multi-sport event before the Olympics and I hadn't even qualified yet and that was my my last chance to to be there and experience that kind of atmosphere and I think people people don't realize it's so much more about being physically ready I can be physically ready to go and compete tomorrow but being mentally ready is a completely different thing and being there, being in Rio with hundreds and hundreds of athletes and the best athletes, the top of the top, world-class athletes, and as David said, it's twice the size of the Winter Olympics, um, twice as many sports. You're, you're there, you're trying to battle emotions, the pressure, you're competing in front of thousands and thousands of people, and that's something that some athletes, and in, in my particular case, I didn't have a chance to do that. I have to mention, though, and something that I think is a big advantage to Toronto, is that we have people from every pocket of the world living here, and every pocket of the Americas, and athletes who come and compete here are going to have their own cheering sections, and have that support, and that feeling. When I was in Rio, um, <laughs> quite a, a hostile environment in the stadiums, and many, many athletes can attest to that. Um, it was very mentally challenging to, to not feel that support. But Toronto, Toronto has that. And there is nothing like competing in front of a, a home crowd as well. And our athletes want that chance. We don't get that chance. Yeah. That. And the Pan Am Games again, I'm not going to ramble. I know we're no, short of time. <laughs> Just to amplify the point she made, though, that, that, that people here wouldn't understand. It's culturally part of the, the process in uh, Brazil to actually very aggressively boo all the other athletes. 
And uh, <laughs> many of many of our, our athletes had never heard this before. You know, they cheered when our athletes missed the high jump. They they booed our divers. They booed. Who could boo Alexander? Well, I've, never I mean, been, I've never been booed. <laughs> <laughs> so it was quite a shock to the athletes. And it's, down there. it's about adapting. It's about adapting to that kind of an atmosphere of multi-sport games, and it's crucial for athletes in their development to the Olympics. It also makes for a, a great environment for the spectators because I remember going and watching our water polo team and I felt threatened as a spectator <laughs> in the Pan Ams. We actually had stuff thrown at us um, from the, the Brazilian fans because we were wearing Canadian kit. But uh, yeah, I think it's the, the multicultural aspect of Toronto as a competitor and, and as a spectator at the games will be exceptional. Um, so to the room, to our live audience, um, do we have questions from the floor? see a hand and two hands. So please remember to be brief because we are running out of time. Um, hello everyone, my name is Joita. I'm from No Games Toronto. Um, I am one of those critics who says, why spend on a one-time sporting event when you could be spending on uh, social infrastructure for the city. Uh, we do have, for instance, a housing crisis. Uh, TCHC claims that they need $300 million to bring subsidized housing uh, up to an appropriate standard. Likewise, we do have a problem of homelessness in the city. We have two homeless people who die every week. Why is it that we need to be spending on the games when the best way to ensure, to guarantee housing in the city is to invest in it? to solidly commit funds to it and invest in it, why do we want to sort of go this roundabout route? Uh, likewise for education. Okay. Um, I, I, I think that question was answered previously by David. Did you want to address that at all again? I, I, I think uh, she has a, has a point of view. I, I don't, uh, I, I understand where she's coming from, but I think uh, I don't agree with her because I think we are going to actually accelerate the good things that we want to do. It's not a question of, uh, of the Pan-American Games or healthcare or Pan-American Games or education. This ties into all those agendas and I think you will see uh, housing improved. I think you'll see more subsidized housing and that's obviously part of the bid. You'll see better facilities for kids who don't have jobs. You're going to see more jobs for their moms and dads that don't have jobs today. So I think, I think we have the same objectives in mind, but I think we just have a little different way of getting there and I think with any luck um, we can make the world a better place building these games and, and, and really advance all the causes you so passionately believe in. I believe in those causes too, I just think we're going to help you get there. Good afternoon. My name is Michael Thompson. And I, I recognize the benefits, and I think David uh, and everyone on stage has clearly illustrated what the benefits are to the city. And also the challenges that you face in terms of the competition, to whether or not we're going to win the bid. But I guess my question is, what are you doing in terms of preparing Torontonians for this bid in terms of the communications to the general public. I think, David, you've uh, sort of touched on the point with respect to uh, failure as such, and perhaps the best man doesn't always win. Recognizing that uh, you're going to be going to, um, obviously, try to get that bid and to win that, but to the citizens of Toronto in terms of making 
the communication, the communication piece so that they're aware as to what the benefits are. And I think it really speaks to the question that this lady has asked, because part of the issue is that people don't understand what the benefits are, I, for the most part. I think most of the people in this room understand what the benefits are. And I think most Torontonians and Ontarians will recognize what the benefits are if it's communicated in, in an appropriate fashion. I guess, what's the communication plan to the common man and woman in the streets of Toronto? Well, Michael, it's a, it's a fair question, and I should have turned it over to Bob Richardson, who's in charge of all that. But let me just make a, 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 a point here. We have been focusing on winning this bid for you and for, every, for all the kids in this province, all the things, for all the values and all the things we believe in. We've got a very tough job. I, I, I don't, we didn't get into the politics of this, but there's a tough job. There's 42 people. They are all individual. They don't vote in blocks. They have all guard their votes seriously. These are little countries and big countries. Some little countries of 20, 30,000 people have the same vote as a big country of millions. And there's 52 votes, as you know. The games that have, uh, the people that have had the games before get two votes. We need 27 to win this. And we, each one has to be treated with respect. And none, there are some that are very visible, vocal in, their, in our support. But most of them are very guarded, and we have to sort of continue to woo them, persuade them, and put forward the best bid and understand their needs. To win this thing, it's about their needs, not our needs. For us, it's about our needs. So we have to reconcile the two as we put these together. Now, I think, Michael, if and when we win, I think there will be an outpouring of support, and we have five years to put this together. Uh, and, uh, and, and I think there will be, you will see communication in that period of time, and I think if the, if the host co, who will be running the game, are successful enough, I think that they will be able to engage everybody in this province. I think we can turn this into, I've described it before, as a party without a hangover that elevates everybody's spirits, that, that, that builds every institution that we have and engages everybody in a, in a different way of looking at the world, a different way of competing, a different way of, 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 of looking after their own health, different way of teaching kids about discipline and all the things that are important. So. Is it a huge communication bonanza? Yes. Is there an awful lot of potential? Absolutely. Is it a huge job? Absolutely. So I think your point's well taken. We have a huge job going forward, assuming we win, to engage people in this. I think it's doable, and I think they, everybody will, at the end of the day, can find something for the body, something for the mind, or something for the soul. Thank you, and uh, with that, I'll uh, wrap it up. As any athlete in the room will know, and most likely every person in the room will know, there, there really is no joy in overachieving on mediocre goals. And right now, Toronto's set in front of themselves a, a difficult task, a tremendous amount of work, uh, but there will be a tremendous amount of joy for so many people, the people of Toronto, the athletes, and the athletes of the Paso uh, community. Uh, I'd like to take this opportunity to um, thank those viewers at home, uh, to thank our live audience uh, for your time and your presence here today, uh, to thank all of our athletes uh, who uh, have been here. Please, again, take some time to talk to them about their sport. 
And I'd also like to thank our, our panel uh, for their frankness and their time up here. So thank you very much, everybody. And we'll go back to... Oh, Alan. Thank you. Thank you, uh, thank you, everyone. It's been a pleasure to have you here today. Uh, this has been both a fascinating and hopeful discussion. I think I know many, many people have, uh, have been involved in pulling this undertaking together, and we couldn't ask for a more committed, qualified, talented group of people to take on this challenge. On behalf of our audience today, the people of Toronto and Ontario, we want to say thank you. Thanks, too, to Chris Rudge for joining us today. Alexandria, you're uh, an absolute inspiration. We appreciate you being here. And, of course, to Marnie for uh, doing a great job at moderating the lunch. To the uh, Board of Directors of the uh, 2015 Pan Am Games Committee, thank you. Uh, I know that uh, Yagata Pike was not able to join us today, but uh, David Peterson, we're, uh, we're very glad that you were here and uh, we're very much appreciative that you were able to lend your good looks and your charm to this important bid. Uh, you truly are a great Canadian, and for all the work that you're doing on behalf of the province, the country, and the city, thank you very much. That concludes our lunch, Mr. President. Thank you all. Have a great afternoon and a great weekend.